Luke records these words. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to move to the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, or you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Dr. Zan Holmes is one of the premier preachers in America and has been so for decades. For years and years, he served a vital and growing church in the Dallas, Texas area. But he not only was a pastor, he was a community leader. He was, in fact, even elected by the citizens of that area to go to Austin to serve in the state legislature. He was having a distinguished career. Then our seminary in Dallas invited him to also come and be a preaching professor because he was such a talented and gifted presenter. And so he also taught for years there at the seminary. I've had the privilege of hearing him preach on a number of occasions. If you were here way back in 1990, you may have heard him as well, for he was our Barton Clinton lecturer that very year. When he was here, he told a story that I have remembered all of these years about a time where he was invited to be a guest preacher in another city. It was far enough away from Dallas that he had to fly to be there. The pastor had been his friend and said, I will pick you up. But then the day he was getting ready to fly, the pastor called and said, I've had a conflict come up. I won't be at the airport, but one of my people will be there to pick you up. Dr. Holmes said that would be fine. He arrived in time, got off the plane, walked up the ramp, went into the airport terminal, scanned the crowd and the passers-by for someone who might be looking for him, and there was nobody there. So he just moved over to the side and waited, thinking, you know, someone would come for a sign or someone would come and find him. After he waited for a few moments, sure enough, here came a fellow looking at him. He slowed his pace. About three steps away, Dr. Holmes was sure this was the guy, and then the fellow walked on by. So Dr. Holmes said, I waited longer. The guy disappeared into the next area. A few minutes later, he said, would you believe this same fellow came walking toward me a second time? And again, he slowed his pace a few steps from me. I thought, yes, this is it. And then he walked on by, and Dr. Holmes said, I waited some more. Finally, a few minutes later, same fellow comes walking toward me, walks up to me and says, 
you wouldn't be Dr. Zan Holmes, would you? And Dr. Holmes said, well, yes, sir, I am Zan Holmes. And he said, well, please accept my apology. But you don't look like your picture. Oh, there is a slight resemblance, but you do not look like your picture. Church, do we look like our picture? We call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, but do we treat each other that way? We say we are Christians, and our highest commitment is to follow Christ, but do we live our lives that way? Most of us have come to this altar rail. Many of us stood here and professed our faith in Christ, and yet I wonder if someone was to follow us around would they recognize Christ? Or would they say, please accept my apology, sir, but you don't look like your picture? Oh, there's a slight resemblance, but you do not look like your picture. In our text today, Jesus is painting a picture for what a Christian looks like. The picture is about humility. It is a picture about humility this morning. That's not a word that I hear people use very often. I think it's greatly misunderstood when it is used often. But let's look at this text from Luke and see if we cannot clear some of that up. The setting this morning that Luke tells us about in this 14th chapter has Jesus going to a dinner party. Jesus seems to like to dine with people there's lots of stories like that this idea of table fellowship is really important in the gospel of luke in this story luke tells us that you can know who is who and who has higher status by where they sit and who you should pay attention to and who you can ignore by the seating arrangement and he seems to indicate that people cared a whole lot about that in the first century but it's not only that. If you think about the Gospel of Luke, you remember at the end of the Gospel, the two who walk on the road to Emmaus with one they do not know, they recognize the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread during table fellowship. And Luke, when he tells about Jesus last night with his disciples on earth, he institutes Holy Communion during table fellowship, during a meal. There is more here than just folks eating together. Luke wants us to think more deeply about how we treat each other and what we think about when we are with each other as we listen to this story. And Jesus tells this parable for that very purpose so that we might think more deeply. There's more wisdom here than just where do you sit when you go to a dinner party. The parable is about humility, what it looks like to be a Christ follower. I've reminded you for the last several weeks that it's back in chapter 9, verse 51, that Jesus turns his face toward Jerusalem Luke says he resolutely sets his face to go to Jerusalem. And then there's story after story where Jesus is answering the question, what does the kingdom of God look like? What is the rule of God going to look like? 
when all of us are cooperating with what God really wants and are in the center of God's will, what will the world look like? This morning, he says, it'll look like a person who even though they deserve the highest honor, will not seek it. Even though they deserve to be elevated above others, they will not ask for it. I did the funeral once of a man who was very much like this. He was an educator. He began as a teacher. He worked really hard at every job he had. Then he was moved up and became a principal and did really well there. Then he was moved up even higher. He became the superintendent of the school district in which he worked. But not only did he work really hard in his job, he gave extra time to work in the district to help all the different schools in the district as he could. Not only that, he went to the state capitol and lobbied the legislature to say, you know, our teachers are really committed. They're really working hard. They don't get much compensation. Can't we do a little bit more? Our students need a few more resources. Can't you help that way? Sometimes lobbyists are not well-liked, but this particular gentleman became really well-known and influential and very well-liked in the halls of our state legislature. The Congress people would recognize him when he was there because he was there so often. But the interesting thing about him is even as he became more and more well-known, even when he became more and more influential, it didn't change his character or his personality. He didn't act like, oh, I'm somebody special. The governor recognizes me. You should treat me differently. It was like Jesus talked about. I mean, this man understood this parable. Even as he rose through the ranks and became so well-known, he treated people all the same. Whether it was a kindergarten student or a student intern or a teacher or a colleague, he treated them all the same with kindness and goodness and respect. He loved people. That is humility. He loved all people. Do we look like our picture? Or is there only a slight resemblance? See, humility doesn't mean having low self-esteem or feeling badly about yourself or carrying around a lot of guilt or letting people walk on you or degrade you. That's not the idea of humility we find in the Bible. Humility is a Christian characteristic because it frees you to love all people equally. Humility puts you in a place where God's love can flow through you to other people. You've heard it said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's it. That goes hand in hand with humility. It begins to put you in a place to see people the way God sees people. As lovable, as valuable, as talented. As folks who have something to contribute to the common good. It helps you begin to see people the way God sees people and treat them the way God would want us to treat them. A friend of mine sent me this story some time ago. It was about a fellow who was a regular churchgoer, maybe like you and I. He liked to go most of the time, but some Sunday mornings, when he got up, he 
really wasn't that excited about going to church. Have you ever been there? It was a Sunday morning like that. He got up planning to go, but he just couldn't get much enthusiasm going on. But he went ahead and showered and shaved and got dressed and put on his tie and went to church. He got there a little late because of his lack of enthusiasm. And maybe this has happened to you as well. Somebody else was sitting in his place. Somebody was in his seat, and now he's really irritated. He's made this special effort to get there, and by golly, someone's already in his spot. He decides he can go ahead and slide in there. That person will probably just slide over when he squeezes in. So he squeezes in, but the fellow doesn't scoot over. And so now he's kind of trapped. Well, the service has already started. The pastor stands up for the morning prayer. He bows his head. And as they're praying, he feels this other fellow's foot hit his. And he opens his eyes, wondering what is wrong with this guy. And when he looks down, he sees not only is this guy in his space and has kind of kicked his foot, but his shoes are a mess. I mean, they're filthy. His pants, he notices, are dusty. The shoes are unpolished. In fact, one of them is kind of cracking on the side. And he thinks to himself, as he forgets about the prayer... I thought we were supposed to give our best when we come to church. Obviously, this guy's not trying very hard. And yet he's a little bit stunned when the preacher says, Oh, Lord, thank you for all of our blessings. And the dusty, dirty old guy next to him says, Amen, under his breath. And the guy says, I was distracted again thinking, What's he saying amen for? I don't think he has many blessings to say amen too he says the service goes on they stand to sing i don't sing very much the guy says and yet the guy next to me he's belting it out he's singing lustily heartily with joy he said we move on through the service we get to the time for the sermon as usual it's dry and too long some places it's like that Anyway, we get to the end of the sermon, and the fellow says to himself, finally, and they stand up to sing the final hymn, and he glances over at this guy, and he notices there's a tear coming down his cheek. And he wonders, what in the world is going on? There wasn't that much in the service or the sermon. Well, the service is over, and... This guy really wants to go out the other end of the pew, and yet something inside of him says, Greet him! Greet him! So finally he decides to greet the guy. He turns around, looks him full in the face, and he notices that there are tears streaming down both sides of his face. And he sticks out his hand and says, Hi, I'm Charlie. He forces a grin and says, We're always glad to have guests at our church. The other guy says, Hi, I'm Frank. And then he looks down and kind of wipes his eyes and says, Thanks so much for speaking. I've been coming here for months. And you're the first person who ever spoke to me. He said, I'm so sorry that my demeanor and my look is not the same as the rest of you all but you see i walk to church 
I polish my shoes every Saturday night, but without fail, by the time I get here, they are dirty and dusty again. I am so sorry. Oh, Charlie now has a little lump in his throat. And he says, no, thank you. Well, you've reminded me the reason we come here. You've reminded me what's in a person's heart that makes all the difference. Church, do we look like our picture? Or is there only a slight resemblance? If somebody were to follow you around, what would they see? Would they say, oh, excuse me, but you don't look like your picture. I'm afraid it might be true of me. It might be true of you. Do we look like our picture? Or is there only a slight resemblance? See, what Jesus is talking about in this passage today is how we see people. How do you see other people are you only noticing the exterior are you only noticing the trapping or are you seeing deeper into a person's life humility is about seeing people as God sees them it's all about being in right relationship with God and with one another and our Christian scriptures make it clear throughout this right relationship has to do with agape, the kind of love that wills the good for someone else and is willing to act on it on behalf of someone else even if we have to sacrifice something for ourselves. That's humility. That's the love of God pouring through us. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the rule of the kingdom. That's what the kingdom of God looks like when it comes on earth as it is in heaven. Humility frees us to love as God loves, to not let standard barriers divide us from those around us, from our neighbors, from our colleagues, from those who live in a different part of town, for those who have a different color of skin or a different socioeconomic status. Humility allows us to love all the people wherever we find ourselves, in whatever circumstances we are in. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to give you an opportunity. Actually, we're going to encourage you to bring a friend. September 8th, September 15th, they're going to be bring a friend Sunday. But not only bring a friend, invite them, invite them, bring them, sponsor them, help them. Move into the family of Christ. Now, a lot of us have, as United Methodists, for whatever reason, have kind of gotten out of the habit of that. We, we're not always seeing those around us as those who might need an invitation, so I'm asking you to start thinking about that. Who do you know that might need an invitation into the family of Christ? It makes some of us uncomfortable... I'm suggesting that you begin by praying about whom God might want you to invite to 
the Boston Avenue United Methodist family. Just begin to pray about it. And see if some person doesn't emerge in your mind as someone who might need an invitation to be a part of the family of Christ, someone who might need some healing, someone who might need some hope, someone who might on the outside look like they have it all together, but on the inside are a mess, and they're just hoping someone will notice and extend a hand. It might be you. God might be ready to use you to bring somebody in to the family of Christ. Start with prayer. Think about it for a while. Begin to look around and see what you come up with. Let me close with this. It's a poem I ran across a few years ago. The author said of the story said that this poem was found in a nursing home in Scotland after a woman had died. This is what it said. What do you see, nurses? What do you see? What are you thinking when you're looking at me, a crabby old woman, not very wise and certain of habit with faraway eyes, who dribbles her food and makes no reply when you say in a loud voice,